You are listening to a Cold Lake Community Church podcast. We hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect. We're doing a series on the parables of Jesus, and this is the second one. And it's the parable of the wheat and the tares. Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30, and then 36 to 43. I'll read from 24 to 30 to begin today. Another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tears among the wheat and went his way. You notice that, while men slept. When we get careless, when we sort of get laxed, that's when the enemy can come in and sow some bad stuff. Amen? But when the grains had sprouted up and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servant of the owner, servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. An enemy has done this. When you see things that are happening that are negative in the kingdom of God, it's the work of the enemy. The servant said to him, do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. The parable of the sower, in the parable of the sower, the one that we did last week, We learn that not all people react to the message of the kingdom in the same way. Some with hard hearts and dull ears would not even allow the word time to germinate in their hearts. Others would receive the word, but either with either persecution or the cares of this life caused them to lose heart. And they gave up all too quickly. Only those committed souls who hear the word, who trust and obey and act upon it, will bear fruit in their lives and receive an abundant harvest. Jesus' purpose is clear to teach principles related to the kingdom of heaven. And he begins with this parable with the kingdom of heaven is light. He is about to reveal principles related 
to the kingdom of God, the rule of God in our lives today. The kingdom of heaven, first of all, the first point I want to talk about, the kingdom of heaven versus the kingdom of God. There's some controversy about that. But if you compare the Gospels, the Gospels indicate that the terms refer to the same thing. Of course, in Matthew chapter 4, verses, verse 17, if you compare that with Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, you'll realize that this, it's the same parable, but Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven, and Mark calls it the kingdom of God. The same thing for Matthew chapter 5 and Luke chapter 6. The same thing with Matthew chapter 13 and Mark chapter 4. And so it is used interchangeably. Matthew used the expression kingdom of heaven almost exclusively, while the other gospel writers used the phrase kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, is wherever the reign and dominion of Jesus Christ today, who is in heaven, is manifested. And thus, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray in Matthew chapter 6, he said, pray this way, Our Father who art in heaven, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the same kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. At present, the spiritual, it's a spiritual kingdom for God's rule in the hearts of his people. In Luke chapter 17, verse 21, Jesus is talking about this, and he says, Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed the kingdom of God is within you. When you accept Jesus Christ into your heart, his reign, his kingdom reign, is in your life. The kingdom of God is within you. The church is in the world. The church is the outward manifestation today of the kingdom of God. Okay? That's the, the, the combined kingdom of God today is found in the church, the church. And that is born again believers. We're the church. Regardless of what denominational tag you, you use, if you are born again, you're a part of the church of Jesus Christ. And you are part of his kingdom. It's a spiritual kingdom. Now today the church is in the world. And the world is in the church. That gives you an idea of why Jesus said what he did concerning the tares and the wheat. Born again believers are considered the wheat of his church, of his kingdom. Those who, do not, who are not born again are considered the tears. This helps us understand what Jesus said concerning the true believer in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 to 23. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. 
Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. For the longest time, I, I struggled with that saying because I was thinking, well, is it possible that I could be living all of my life serving God and then come to the judgment day and find out that I'm not? That would be terrible, wouldn't it? But I'm beginning to understand that when Jesus talked about the tares and the wheat, let's just not go outside of this church today, okay? Don't let anyone, you know, get an idea that, well, I'm talking about some other denomination, some other religion. I just want us to look at ourselves in this room right now. Do you know it is possible to be attending Colake Community Church and really not have made a commitment to him, right? And so you can get to a place where you harden your heart and you don't really, nothing affects you. You can have the manifestations of the Spirit taking place in the room and you're not really affected by it because you have desensitized yourself to the moving of the Holy Spirit. And if anyone asks you, uh, what, what are you, uh, you know, what religion are you, what? you would probably say, well, I'm Pentecostal. Some of you would, uh, would uh, grade that because your mom and your dad are serving God. Maybe your uncle or your grandfather was a pastor or something like that. And so I'm, I'm Pentecostal. I go to the Coal Lake Community Church. But if you have never accepted Jesus Christ into your life or if you have turned your back on him and are not living for him today, The way that I see this here, Jesus is classifying that as tears, thorns. And so the servants said, should we root them out? Let's, you know, let's, let's do some house cleaning. But Jesus said, no. There are two things here. One thing is, you never know when a man or a woman or a boy or a girl is going to make a commitment to Jesus Christ, a lasting commitment. And so if he prematurely took out the weeds, some would be lost, never find Christ as their Savior. But he lets them all grow together. And some of them 
never find Christ until they're on their deathbed. But that's the awesome grace of God towards his creation. Amen? The other thing is, we are quick to take offense. And so, if we were to weed out, take out the weeds, take out the thorns, in uprooting the thorns, we would be taking out some of the precious wheat as well. Because we take on our brothers' and sisters' offenses. We don't look for the truth. We just go by our emotions. Today, the sons of the kingdom and the sons of the devil dwell together on earth. This raises a question that has been asked many times. If the kingdom of heaven has come to this world, why does evil exist in this world? Why would Jesus, who is holy, permit evil to remain? Jesus permits evil to remain in this world for your eternal benefit and for mine. Jesus acknowledges that this world is full of sin and sinners, and, and, and for the moment, he chooses to allow it. He says, allow both to grow together until the harvest. If he judged the world now, many who will eventually receive him would be lost. And you can never gauge by a person's behavior or the way that they answer you how they are really feeling inside. I know I swore up and down to a pastor that I had no desire whatsoever to serve God. But inside of my heart, I was just about breaking, just about to the point where I was going to say, yes, Lord. I lay it all down at your feet. Forgive me for my sin. But he didn't know that. And I'm sure he Went away a little discouraged because he felt that his words and his pleading had no avail in my heart. Jesus acknowledges that this world is full of sin. He says, allow both to grow together. In 1 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness. But is long-suffering, or he's patient towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You may look at someone who, in your estimation, for all intents and purposes, is a wicked, wicked person. But if that person will just ask Christ to forgive him for his sin or her sin, God accepts them just like he accepts me. The Bible says that he loved me when I was still a sinner. 
He loved you when you were still a sinner. That's the love of God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The kingdom of heaven has a future element as well as a present one. Its future aspect is spoken of by Jesus in Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, when it says, the kingdom, then the king will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50 says, Now this I say then, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot in inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. The Bible is very clear that no sin can enter heaven. And so, we need to be very careful in how we live our lives. Because God will not bless sin in the life of a Christian any more than he will bless it in the life of a sinner. And we need to be aware of that. The future kingdom of heaven involves the new heaven and the new earth. In his future state, the kingdom will be fulfilled with the coming of the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 24, after that the end will come when he will turn the kingdom over to the Father and the Father having destroyed every ruler and authority and power. This ushers in the new heavens and the new earth. In Revelations chapter 21, Verses 3 to 4, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. That's the kingdom state in its finality. And these things need to be taught, and it needs to be taught in a Bible study. You cannot, you cannot teach this in 30 minutes of a sermon. But I'm just telling you this so that it'll sort of whet your appetite, and you will just say, I want to know more about this. And when people want to know more, I love to give more in the right setting. Now, Jesus explains the parable, and so my second point is the parable explained, and the disciples ask for clarification of this parable, and Jesus goes on to say, the sower is Jesus, who in his preaching and teaching ministry won people to the Lord. Okay? The field... Is, is the world. In this parable, the field is the world. The good seed and the bad seed are sown in the same field. Okay? And uh, the good seed are the sons of the kingdom. Born again believers, those who accept Jesus Christ, are believers. 
those who have received eternal life. That's the good seed. And the tares are the sons of the wicked one. In other words, they're not true believers. They're not what even they profess to be. Some of them are wolves in sheep's clothing. And the enemy who sold them is the devil. And the harvest is the end of the age. Jesus is explaining all that. You can read that for yourself. And and the reapers are the angels who accompany Jesus at his return. Okay. So having identified the components of the parable, Jesus now addresses the main point. Matthew chapter 40, verse, uh, chapter 13, verses 40 to 43, he said, Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire, There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, I just want you to realize that this is told by Jesus himself. Jesus is telling us this parable. The problem of the tares will not be fully addressed until the harvest. This is done out of consideration for the good seed, for the children of God, for the believers, for the born again, church of Jesus Christ. If you root up the weeds in the church, you may offend the good seed. And as I said before, many Christians are quick to take up offense of others without knowledge of the situation. And it does damage to their own soul because we allow bitterness and strife and all of these things to enter in and and hinder us from moving in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God will make the separation in the proper time. We need to leave it to God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and I will repay. The weeds will be gathered out of the kingdom and be properly dealt with. Verse 42 of Matthew 13, he said, Cast into the furnace of fire where there be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And then the righteous will receive their reward. Verse 43, Matthew 13, verse 43, the last part of that says, then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. And whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. For those willing to, that means for those willing to listen, there are several truths to be gleaned from this parable as it relates to the kingdom of heaven and the church and our personal life. That brings me to the third point, the truths gleaned from the parable. It is out of love and compassion for his children that God allows the unrighteous to flourish 
among them. God cares about your spiritual walk. He desires that you would grow and that you would mature. There are, a, there are not a lot of spiritual giants in the kingdom of heaven today. Many of us are very close to the weeds. Jesus is very much aware of human nature. So out of concern for the wheat and the tear, the tares are allowed to remain, so are we so, who are easily offended and hurt that we're often blind to the truth. Jesus, out of his love and compassion for you and I, says, let them all grow together until harvest. Please do not assume that this means that this parable is in any, in any way speaking against church discipline. It is not. Jesus gives us clear direction on how to handle issues and conflict within our church walls. Matthew chapter 18, verses 5, 15 to 17, he says, Moreover, if your brother sin against you, Go and tell it to him or her, his fault between you and him alone. If he hears you, you have gained your brother. But if he will not hear you, take with you one or more, that by the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he refuses to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he refuses to hear the church, let him be to you a heathen and a tax collector. God wants us as individuals in the church and as a body of believers to go the first and the second and the third mile in helping to resolve a conflict between us so that we can walk in love and in unity, so that the Spirit of God may be able to move and we can be used of God in his kingdom. The point of this parable is that Jesus himself will not do anything visible until the end of the age when he comes with his angels. A person may be in the kingdom now, but not in the future. It is possible to become a member of a church without a relationship with Jesus Christ. Some are called Christians based on family background rather than being born again. Some are on assignment by Satan to attempt to destroy a person or even a, a whole church. And Jesus will deal with these things that is coming to set up his kingdom. If we take matters in our own hands and decide that we're going to fix things, we're going to make some awful mistakes. We don't want to do that. Let's leave things in his hands and let him do what is right. I don't know how many conflicts 
that I have avoided in my ministry, in my 30-odd years of ministry, simply by praying and seeking God and saying, Lord, I don't know how to do this. I just want to leave this in your hands. I ask that you will solve this problem for me. And over and over and over again, I have not had to do anything, only pray. And God has done the work. The punishment of the wicked is a reoccurring recurring theme in several of the parables of Jesus cast into the furnace of fire. It's a picture of pain, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. There's the parable of the dragnet that preaches this and the parable of the unforgiving servant. And Jesus describes a place prepared for the wicked. In Matthew chapter 25, 41 then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. And that's an enlightening fact as well. God never prepared the flames of hell fire for his children, for his creation. For men and women. It was prepared for the devil and his angels. Those that fell. When Satan was cast out of heaven. The third of the angels with him. That's what hell was created for. Matthew 25. 46. And these will go away into everlasting punishment. But the righteous into eternal life. And here we have eternity before us, eternal punishment and eternal life. Life means eternity forever and ever and ever with God in what he has prepared for us in the future. The Bible says that eye has not seen and ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him, those who serve him. That's prepared for you and I. We do not have the capacity, the smartest of us, the most intelligent of mankind do not have the capacity to be able to comprehend what God has prepared for us in the future. It is so good and so magnificent that you cannot contain it in this physical body that we have now. So he's going to prepare spiritual bodies. For us, that we will last forever and ever and ever and enjoy his presence. And on the best day that you've ever had in Jesus, the most glorious time that you've experienced his presence in your life, don't even come close to what it will be like in all of eternity serving him. And he has given us 
from infancy up until whatever day you die to prepare for the future in eternity. What an awesome God. No wonder we call it amazing grace. In conclusion today, this gospel of the kingdom that we preach must of necessity include a warning to those who do not have ears to hear. It doesn't mean those things that you got on the side of your head. It's hearing with your spirit. It's getting it down into your heart. It's getting it from your head to your heart. Because the word of God is light. It can bring light into the darkest soul. On this side of eternity, he can turn thorns and thistles into wheat. He can take sinners and make them saints in a moment of time. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's all it takes. Amen? In 2 Peter 3 and 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. This very parable is a warning to all of us to be alert, as Peter warns us in 1 Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He's out to destroy you personally. He's out to destroy your family, your children, your marriage. Everything that is good and honorable in your life, everything that you love and that you cherish, the devil wants to destroy it. He wants to destroy your health. Some of us do things that is very dangerous to our health, and we say, it'll never happen to me. Back 13 years ago, roughly around that, I felt as strong and as healthy. Then one day, working on the, on the first church building that we had when I came here. I started getting pain. I woke up in the middle of the night. Both of my arms were just aching crazy. I said, Effie, you got to take me to the hospital. When I says take me to the hospital, I'm not good. I got dressed, and we came downstairs, and Effie had to go down. She went down to the basement for something. While she was gone, I, the pain let up. I didn't feel any pain in my arms. Well, I, I must have strained my arms. So me being full of energy, and I decided that I would run up the stairs a couple of times. So we, had, we were in a, a two-story duplex, and I ran up the steps three times, up and down, ran up hard, down to the bottom again, 
Effie came, came back. She's ready to go. I said, Effie, we're going back to bed. Never felt a pain, nothing. I worked hard the next day and came home, couldn't eat. Went back to the hospital, went down to the hospital. They kept me in for a little while. Then I got out. They said, we can't find anything wrong with you. Went back to the church, started working again. Came home for dinner. And she had to take me in. Next morning, I was showering and ready to be released again. And finally, I get this next wave of pain. And something said, this is not a strain. And I rung the bell and they came and they hooked me up to all of the machinery again. A little while later, I was on my way to Edmonton in an ambulance, having a heart attack. You know, some things you can blame on the devil. But if you could see the things that I've eaten over my lifetime, I brought it on myself. Amen? There are many things that we bring on ourselves. That's what I told you that to tell you. There are many things we bring on ourselves. But God is merciful. And I could go at any time, but I'm going to tell you, I'm feeling good right now. Amen? For 13 years, I've been strong as a horse, a good horse. And as energetic as a little puppy dog. That's what God does for you. I'm going to make the best of it. I've given every ounce of me to the Lord Jesus Christ. I've found the answer. And I just hope and pray that you understand that when I'm preaching these words, I'm trying to get you to understand and know that this is the way to live. Live with hope. Live with faith. Live according to the word. Allow the word of God to have a place in your life so that you know that you know who God is. And how he cares about you. A day of judgment is coming. Some people deny it. Some people mock it. But on multiple occasions, Jesus warns that it's true. There's a final day. And on that day, all humanity will be divided into two groups. Those who stand condemned and those made righteous by the precious blood of Jesus. On that day, the only thing that's going to matter is are you saved or are you lost? And this is where, this is the working side of eternity. We are in time. We are in a day of grace.
we make our decisions here. Amen? Whatever class you are in will remain for all of eternity once you stand before God. You cannot change your status then. In fact, whatever state you die in, that's the state you remain in. That's the Bible is very clear on that. Revelations 22, 11. He who is unjust, let him be unjust still. You can't change it. Okay. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. He who is righteous, let him be righteous still. He who is holy, let him be holy still. Whatever state you're in, when you draw your last breath, you have just stepped from time into eternity, and you remain in that state. There's no second chance after you die. Here's the good news. You can make the necessary changes right now. That's what this altar is for. That's why we have a place like this. It's not just so that the, the, the worship team can be a bit higher than, on the higher level than the congregation. It's a place where you can come and kneel and ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior to forgive you of your sins, to rededicate your life to Christ, to make a fresh decision, to be a part of the family of God. Are you ready to make the greatest decision of your life? You have an opportunity to do it today. And let me just say that as the worship team now leads us, you need Jesus as your Savior, come, we'll pray with you and help you to get through to him. And if you have a need in your life, family problems, health problems, financial problems, there's nothing too difficult for the Lord. You need to know that. You need to understand that. You need to believe that. You'll get lots of dissenting people who will say, that's garbage. They will say, that's all past. God gave us the Holy Spirit so that his people can enjoy his blessings that make it rich and adds no sorrow with it. What do you need from God today? On this very day, you can receive it from his bountiful supply. If you need prayer, you need to do any kind of business with God, come up. We've got people who will help you pray today, and God will answer your prayer. Amen? Lord bless you guys. Have a great week. Enjoy the sunshine. God is good. Amen? You have been listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. We hope that you've been blessed by this teaching from Cold Lake Community Church. 
thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families connect.